morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to today's episode of Musings with Jesus. My name is Shola. I'm your host. Thank you for joining me. I hope you're well. I hope all is going on well in your world. Um, today is the 21st of December, so four days to Christmas. It doesn't really feel like it, honestly, to be honest. But anyway, here we are. You know, maybe because Christmas is on a Sunday this year, but you know, it's, I don't know, it's, it's Christmassy, but <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, I'll, I'll I'll get there eventually. But I'm I'm ending this year on a very reflect reflective mode. Um, I also realize that it's a bit different from the last two years when there was a lot going on and there was just a lot of uncertainty. And um, I think, not even that I think, I am in a much better place now, and I give God the glory the word of God. God says that he will not allow us to be tempted above that which you are able, but he will with every temptation make a way of escape so that we can bear it. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm not sure of the verses, but I know it's in that chapter. And many times when I've gone through, when I'm going through very hard times, I always remember that scripture because there are some verses where God is very categoric about the statement i you know i'm a communications professional so i pay attention to words i know that words have meanings i know that words have intentions so when god says he will not allow it's such a categorical statement that there's no opportunity for deflection or whatever he says he will not allow his own people his children to be tempted above that which they are able so with Every temptation, he will make a way of escape so that we can bear it. And that way of escape can come in all manner of any form. I don't. I mean, for some people, it may actually be a way of escape. I don't want to say it, but you know, the point is, he will do things that will make it bearable for you. And I think that sometimes we don't have to wait for God to determine what you cannot bear. Because I found out that whenever we get on our knees and we pray that, Lord, I can't take this anymore, he provides succor. Either he lifts off the pressure, he changes the situation, or he changes you. Something just happens. It's either you get strength. Like in Jesus' case, he wasn't able to change anything about the situation because that was the purpose for which he he came to the earth. But the Bible tells us that he received strength. That the angels of the God Lord came and they strengthened him, and that was it. Jesus got up from that place of prayer, that place of pain and sorrow and pain in the Garden of Gethsemane, and that was it. He received the strength to go through everything and up to the point of his last words on the cross when he said, It is finished. And it was truly finished, and that was that. So, which is why I said that the way of escape can come in many, in many forms because in Jesus' case, it's not that it's not that he uh, he actually prayed that, Lord, if it is possible, take this cup away from me. So he actually prayed for a real escape, like, let this cup pass me by. But he said, but for, I know it's for this purpose that I came out here, but not my will, let your will be done. But whatever the case is, God gave him succor. And I think that's a very valid prayer for us to pray. The, the Lord said something to me this morning. He said, I should remember that his ears are open to my prayer. And that I should not hesitate to ask, to pray. And I want to repeat those words to you right now, wherever you are, if you're listening to this, whatever time or place. The book of Psalms says the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and that his ears are open to their prayer. 
and that the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. So those who are right before God, have right standing before God, whose heart is innocent and pure before God, not only is the Lord watching over you and I, his ears are open to our prayers. But he needs us to ask. So rather than for us suffering in silence or enduring in silence, because I think for many of us, I mean, when I speak for myself as well, sometimes we go through things and we're like, but God, you know that I'm going through this. But I don't know, the way the universe is constructed, God really expects us to pray and to ask. I I don't know why it is that way. I I guess it's all about the laws he has put in place. He cannot intervene in people's lives without you asking, you know, permission. It's like he respects your space. So you have to ask. And I think it took me a long time. I'm still growing in my knowledge of why this has to be the way it is. But I've seen that it works. So, I mean, who am I really? You can answer that question of why he structured it this way when I meet him, you know, at the end of my days on earth. But for now, I see that it works. Somehow, he responds to prayer. He expects prayers. And sometimes he's able to, in fact, he brings me to a place. Sometimes I find that I've been struggling, struggling, struggling. He actually brings me to a place when I realize that I need to pray. And then I pray, I ask him for help, and then help comes. So it's not even like he will just rush in and just, oh, I can see Shola is struggling, I'm going to help her out. He brings me to a place of prayer where I just realize this is what I need to do, you know. And sometimes he also raises other people to pray for me. Sometimes he intervenes whether or not I prayed, but it's not all the time. And, you know, even in those cases where he intervened when I did not pray, it may also be he's responding to prayers before. You know what I'm saying? Ha. So it may not be that I intentionally prayed, but there's prayer covering for that situation. So he's able to intervene. This is, I'm just sharing my life experience and what I have seen. And um, the world that we live in is is a very, you know, this whole fact that we're living in this physical body is very constraining because you wake up in the morning and your day is just set for you. Like, you know, your schedule, the things you need to do, it's all in your mind. You just follow through with it. You're almost walking by roads like a machine and you think you can do it because you know you have life you have breath you know you have strength you have health you know until you so so it's the tendency to 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 remember that you know there is a god you need to talk to or to be you know to humble to be humble and wise enough to realize that let me commit my day unto the lord sometimes we miss it i miss it i miss it because I just feel, yeah, 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 whatever. Let's get it done, you know, I'll, I'll pray as I go. Whereas I find that in all those situations where I intentionally bring him in, in, it brings significant results. Even in my professional life, in my career. In fact, I saw a tweet, you know, and anyway, if you are if you are someone who's listened to me a lot of my podcasts, you know that I really, I spend a lot of time on Twitter. I spend, it's just like, I'm an introvert and it's just an opportunity to just ease eavesdrop or listen to people's conversations and you learn a lot you see a lot of trash as well but there are a lot of good people i know how to sift out the trash and i just really listen to a lot of really really wonderful conversations and there was someone who said something one lady i think she's african-american she tweeted and she said she told everybody that look you need to put up a vision board that this thing really works i know this vision board is about how you write you know things you want to do your vision for the next year or the years after and all that and I said to myself you know it's true because every year I write a list of the things that I want for the next year for myself for my children for the things that I care about and whenever I look at it the next year it's almost like God or they would call it the universe but it's almost like God and the universe 
actually that checklist actually went somewhere and somebody decided and even in the cases where even in the cases where it looked like it didn't quite pan out the way I had intended I I can still see movement but I can always root my life experiences in what I had written down and you know I don't know whether you know and, and I look at it as a covenant relationship between me and God but I also think that there are principles that the Lord has put in this life that makes it such that anything that we write down and we vis- we see it, there is a way in which eventually it will happen. I mean, and there are scriptures that talk about it. It says, nothing shall restrain you from what they have imagined in their heart to do. God said this about the people who wanted to build the Tower of Babel. He said they wanted to build it to heaven. And it says if they've imagined it, they will do it. But most of us don't realize that. And that is why the devil spends a lot of time traumatizing people and making us all feel that we cannot achieve certain things. That's why he he, he puts people into our lives to continue repeating you are useless, you are stupid. You know, negative words that will prevent you, you and I, from seeing ourselves as who we are, created beings, created in the image of God, with the ability to think and create. It's only God's creatures, the man that has that ability to think and create. I thought to look up, you know, the scriptures that talk about the God of heaven, because a God that is able to allow us to, that was able to create human beings in his own image, was able to create us in such a way that anything we conceive, we can actually do, if we think about it. We're the only creatures really that are made that way. I think even the angels are not actually made that way, which is why, well, this is my hypothesis actually, I I mean, I can't say I know for sure, but everything seems to suggest that. I know that the angels are not created in the image of God, in his likeness. They are celestial beings they have their own majesty their own glory but they're not created in the image and the likeness of god one thing that i think um separates us makes you know the image when it says when god said in genesis let us make man in our own image the when you look at all the things he had created even the angels and all of that all of the celestial beings that are spoken about in the bible the only characteristic that i can see that seems to be godlike is man's ability to create is to actually speak things into being. I don't think angels have that capability. They don't. The Bible says that most of the time, all they are able to do is repeat what, um, or you know, other, um, you know, what the Lord has said. They, they, they are unable. They do not have that creative force, you know. Whereas man, we can actually speak things into existence. And like I had said earlier, this is I believe that this is why the devil has put in place this sophisticated world system that is designed to actually walk through men. And for me, what has become really obvious, I'm, I'm observing so many things going on internationally, globally, the way societies are formed and they are operating and the way conversations around right and wrong are being had. You know, who is right in the Ukrainian war? Who is right in this one? Is it right to take vaccine, to not take vaccine? Is it, you know, so many things. Who Who is, you know, the politics? Is it good to be bashing um, 
the treatment of Harry and Meghan, is it right? You know, so many things going on in this conflict in, in Nigeria. Who is who is at who is um, who is right? Who is wrong? Is it the farmers? Is it the herders? You know, in this politics, is it this? You know, conversations that things that are obviously bad, people are justifying it. Things that are obviously a better way to do things, people are also saying it. You know, it's not the right thing to do. So what I see that has happened, what I see and I observe and I'm sensing that is happening in this world is the devil has put in place this very evil world system where he's in the background, but he's influencing men and women to do things that are wrong, to bear false witness against people and to, to support things that are evil, that are wrong. It's just like, if I to, it's just really, it's, it's, for me it's just really whatever. And a lot of the Bible describes the devil as the, the deceiver, the great the deceiver that deceives the entire world. What fascinates me about the way evil operates is that evil never comes out openly to show you that it is evil. So that means that evil knows that, by and large, if it comes out and makes you realize, it's like, for instance, even whether substance abuse or whatever, the first time you take some of these things, they don't... You know, they don't drive you. They don't show up that, look, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm here to destroy your life. No. They come like, oh, I'm going to make you feel better. I'm going to take away the pain. I'm going to give you an escape. You know, and it seems to do that for a while until the destruction starts. Whereas its intention from day one was to destroy your life. That's exactly how evil is. But evil has to hide itself for it to take root. Because on a good day, the way God has created man, man will not normally choose evil on their own. So it has to deceive you. But I digress because that's not really where I want to go. I want to talk about the fact that God, because he is a cre- the creator God and the God that is able to create and the God that is above all things, he also created men and women, human beings that can be like him and his representation on earth. But one thing that you know, because when I look at everything that is going on, there are principalities, there are powers. Many times, I think we as human beings, we get so overcome by the power structures that we see around us. The people who seem to have influence, who have power, either in the world or even in the church. But recently, I, God just made me start thinking about the fact that God is, he's actually, what, what, I, what I realize, what centers me is realizing and reminding myself constantly that God is the God of heaven. And that he's over all of these things. So I thought to myself, let me go into the scripture and see areas where the Lord is actually described as the God of heaven. Because I think if we do not see him, if I do not retain in my mind that he's really the numero uno. That's number one. The alpha. The beginning. You know what you do with somebody like when they call somebody the alpha? You are the head. You are the top dog. You know what I'm saying? Nobody messes with you. When you rule, it is done. It's important that I remember that that is who God is. And that is the God that I serve. That is the God that is my father. And that the sonship that I have received, that he has blessed me with in Christ, is the sonship that comes with power. The power of his throne. Because he does sit on the throne. And anybody that sits on the throne has a kingdom. Anybody that sits on the kingdom has authority. Anybody that sits on the kingdom and has authority has power. 
anyone that sits on the kingdom and has authority, has power, also has influence. So the power that he has overall the universe, over the past, the present, the future, the influence that he has overall. So I looked for places in the Bible where he's described as the God of heaven. God is described in so many ways. What I like about the Bible is it's God's self-description. This is his affirmation of himself. This is, and he, and he, you know, it's, it's almost like somebody saying, this is who I am. Take it or leave it, you know. But he, he expresses himself. It's God's, the Bible is a book that contains God's description and self-expression of himself. And he makes it available for all of us so that we can all decide whether... He is someone we want to relate with, whether we want to know more and all that, or whether we're intrigued to find out more. So the number of scriptures where in the Bible that he's actually described as the God of heaven, it's used a lot in the Old Testament, not as much in the New Testament. But I noticed that it's used mostly in a very um, prophetic sense. So um, Genesis 24, he says, um, I think this is um, Abraham that is saying this. Yes, the Lord God of heaven who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred and spoke unto me and swore and swore to me that um, he, will, he will give this land unto my seed. Um, he will send his angel before you and you shall take a wife unto my son from thence. So I think that was either Abraham or Jacob or one of them speaking. Let me see who was Genesis for That was Abraham. Yeah, when he was trying to tell his son that he, you know, where he should marry from. So he, he, he describes him as the Lord God of heaven. And you know, this description is important because there are many gods in the world. There are many people, you know, geo, small G-O-D. There are many people who have set themselves as a god and people actually worship and their spirits. Are... So when you say the God of heaven, I think everybody knows that you are talking about the most high, the creator God, the one who was in the beginning. Um, the um, In Ezra chapter 1 verse 2, this is all in the Old Testament, it says... Thus said Cyrus, the king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he has given me all the, and he charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. So these are all people, you know, calling back to the authority of the Lord God of heaven. Daniel actually talks about this when he says that God rules in the kingdom of men and he gives it to whomsoever he will. The God of heaven rules over the patterns of the universe. I know sometimes it may look like God is not really in charge because we can see a lot of destruction and chaos. And that is because the devil, you know, is, has, you know, Adam gave his list to the devil and the devil is running that list in a very riotous way. And we, the church, is we're actually supposed to be the one restraining that evil from happening. So God allows that order, that list of Adam, which the devil is usurping god allows it and therefore we have the corruption that we have so god will not intervene in every little situation that happens upon the earth except we call him into it but there are things that he retains power so there are things that i mean the list of adam is limited which so the list that the the devil is even using which by the way jesus has eroded by his blood and resurrection to some a very large extent um that list was limited so it did not um, limit the things that God continued to control. So things like sunshine and rain, providing oxygen, of, you can tell that the devil does not have any hand in that, restraining the waters from covering the land, all those, you know, 
God of heaven things, God is still very much in charge of that. Also determining the bounds and the habitation of men, when kingdoms will rise, when they will fall, all those things is still in God's hand. The laws of righteousness, the laws of sowing and reaping, the laws of when wickedness becomes too much and God judges a nation, all of that, God is still is within his purview. You know, but sometimes I, through prayer, we can actually invite the God of heaven to come and intervene in those smaller issues of our lives. And I think that is what Jesus came to come and let us know that don't see God as a very far and distant God. Even though he's God of heaven, he can also, he's also interested in what is happening on this earth because he created this earth. He desires that all men on this earth seek for him, that they love him, they follow him. He's interested, but he will only intervene in the micro things in our lives. He, he continues to watch over the macro, you know, but he will only introduce, intervene in those micro things as we bring him into. Somebody has to call him in, either directly, maybe prayers from your parents, your friends, your loved ones. Someone needs to bring him in. That's my fervent view, and that's what the Bible teaches us. Jesus will not ask us to pray if prayer did not um, yield any fruit. And we see in Revelation that the prayer of the saints were offered before the Lord. I mean, so all of that shows you that. I mean, so imagine if you don't send up a prayer, your prayer is not prayer, you know. It has to be it has to be offered, it has to be, you know, expressed before it can actually be offered unto the Lord. So that's, you know, all just set the scene of all this. So throughout Ezra, he's, he's described as the God of heaven. Nehemiah too, they kept referring to him as the God of heaven. I wonder why you know, it, certain books used it repeatedly and then in other places we just don't see it as well. In Psalm 136 verse 26, it says, Oh, give thanks unto the God of heaven, for his mercy endures forever. Um, Daniel 2.19 says, This was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision, then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. So I, I noticed that, that it, it's used, the God of heaven is used when they want to describe things that are you know, things that God is doing over the kingdoms, over the nations, over the course of events. Very macro, like defining moments, earth-shaking moments. Then, it, you know, he's, he's wielding that power as the God of heaven. It's important, you know, even me as I'm talking, I'm just having goosebumps thinking about it. Because if I do not see God in that way, then I will continue to believe that he cannot help me and that there are things that he cannot do. So it's not just that he's mighty and he's majestic as the God of heaven, but it also is that he does get involved in the micro events that take place on earth. He's very concerned about the orders of nations and the peoples, you know, what's going on in every country. We see that a lot in the Bible and in every of these scriptures where God of heaven is used, you can see that, that he's actually somebody that people call upon and nations call upon when things have really gone chaotic in their land. And when when you need a shift and a divine a defining moment to come, you call on the God of heaven to come and bring about a change in that in that way. And um, so Jonah says when he, Jonah described himself as a Hebrew, and he says, "I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land." So you see, they they whenever they want to describe him as the God of heaven. They then talk about why they say so that that God that created the seas, and you know what it means <laughs> to create this ocean that I don't even know what is it, the, 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 those oceans there, uh, the facts, and, and the dry land. It's like the, the creatures in the sea are even thousand times more than what we see on this earth. So in Revelations 11 13, 
it says and the same hour I was there this was in the last day tribulation there was a great earthquake and the tenth part of the city fell and in the earthquake were slain about seven thousand men and the remaining of them were afraid and they gave glory to the god of heaven again you see they are using that term in a time when there will be great tribulation on the earth there's a lot going on and then you know people are afraid their senses have failed them their abilities have failed them and then they are now given first to look up to the heaven and to the god that is ruling over that heaven and um yeah so i will i will so daniel 2 7 he was god was i mean daniel was speaking to i think it was nebuchadnezzar he says thou o king you are a king of kings for the god of heaven has given you a kingdom power and strength and glory and um yeah so that's it so this is a god that is mighty he's all of the things that he says that he is and i just my reflection at this point is just to remember that this is who he is and he's my god the lord jesus has created a way for me to have a father and son relationship with him but i should not forget that even in that father even though i relate to god as father the power behind his throne is a very very powerful one and when he says ask and you shall receive seek and you shall find knock and it, it shall be opened unto you it's important that i take that very seriously jesus said this he said for everyone that asks receives everyone that seeks shall find and everyone that knocks the door shall be open and you're not just asking from anybody we're asking from the god of heaven who's in his hand there's power there's might nobody can withstand him he has the ability to do exceedingly above all that we can ask or ever think can you imagine i mean because me i have a very wild imagination so if god says he can describe himself as somebody who can do far more than i can ask or even imagine you can imagine what his abilities is so i will leave it here but my in summary my reflection about this is about who god is what he says he is what he says he can do and what that means for me as a believer and how I need to grow in my understanding of that knowledge so that when I show up as a child of God, my, my aspiration in terms of what it means to be a son of God carries with it the fullness of the understanding of who God himself is, greater beyond anything that I can ever think or imagine or feel or sense he is the god of heaven actually i think of all the names that i have heard him being described and a lot of them are wonderful you know wonderful counsel almighty god i think there is something special about him being the god of heaven because we know that it is the world it is i mean heaven came before this our earth and the god that rules over such a majestic planet and a space where nothing is hidden from them Wow, he is worthy to be worshipped. So I'll just leave it that way and then at that and you know, this is something we'll continue to reflect on. The important thing is to realize that the only way we have access to this God of heaven is through Jesus Christ, his son. And as we grow in, as I grow in my knowledge of him, as we, you and I grow in our knowledge of him, he will reveal himself even more to us. And I think that's the only thing we can pray for. Because once you have that, personal revelation of god of that god in heaven god in, uh, um, god of heaven then 
you don't need anybody to tell you who he is or you don't need to wonder when you are asking you ask in faith you ask with confidence because you know who he is and what he can do in your life and in the lives of those around you and in your nation and in your communities so i pray to the god of heaven the god and father of our lord jesus christ and i pray for his grace and his mercy upon our nation upon my nation nigeria and the nation of all those who are listening that the lord himself will deliver our nations from the snail the fowler from the spirit of this age from the evil that rocks and seeks to consume the people of god and the people who are innocent and the righteous as a whole i pray that the power and the presence of god sweeps over our land over our communities and that we his children rise to the occasion and that we allow his power and his strength and his might to shine in us to change us and change the lives of those around us that we will be world changers community blessers and that many will come to the knowledge of the lord through us and they will be blessed in spirit in soul and in body and their lives will be made much better and that we will stand up for that which is right which is holy and which is good and that we will love our neighbor as ourselves and that we will be like a city on a hill we shall not be hidden and that all men will see our good works our light will shine in such a way that everyone will see Jesus in us, in all that we say and do, and give glory to the Most High God. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Merry Christmas in advance. God bless you. And stay lifted. Amen. <laughs>